Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library, yeah, standing there. No, and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Enika. Kia ora, Enika. Kia ora, Alison. Well, lovely to be back here with you. And um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about what we've been reading and what's on our TBR lists, our to-be-read lists. And then we've also got one or two hot tips that we'll drop into the conversation as we go. (laughs) So our subtitle of our show today is heartbreaking works of staggering genius. And because um, you may guess, um, this is an Auckland Writers Festival special and we both spent a bit of time there over the weekend. Mm. It wasn't it it was a huge success this year, wasn't it? It was. It was absolutely bustling and bubbling with enthusiasm and energy. Yeah. You know, even though we had had a few mm. uh, international authors beaming in and on stage. Um, wow, I thought it was an absolute testament to the support that Aucklanders have for local writers. It was really, really inspiring. Yeah, I look, I agree. And such a diverse group of both readers and writers. Mm. I think it was a real success, a real triumph for them. So, look, I'd like to start with a book that um, you and I have both actually read just in the, the past week. And this is the one called The Mirror Book by Charlotte Grimshaw. Wow. Um, yeah. where, do I, where do I begin? So now Charlotte appeared at the Writers' Festival um, in a session in, which was called Family Dynamics. And she appeared alongside um, Lil O'Brien and Kyle Newburn. So it was. I found it amazing because on stage you had three very different women who have all written memoirs and all discussing kind of really painful times of growth and when you say growth and growing growing away from their families of origin mm. so um, now Charlotte Grimshaw as, as people probably know um, uh, she's an Auckland writer award-winning critically acclaimed um, and she grew up in Auckland in a very famous literary family because her father, C.K. Stead, is, I guess, possibly one of New Zealand's best-known literary figures. Yeah, that's right. And he also had a memoir out. Yeah, that's in the right. Same year as well. Yes. So very interesting dynamic. Mm. Um, even just the two memoirs, and it yeah, interesting to compare and contrast them. I guess. Yes, absolutely. So now Charlotte's memoir, it's been described as brave, um, thought-provoking and explosive. Um, it's, it tells the story of a, a dysfunctional and chaotic family um, who happen to be very well-known. Um, th- she says that there's a, a myth about her life that everyone believed, including herself, and this myth was a lovely family, house full of books. Mm. Um, she writes um, about sort of repressive family narratives and um, uh, most people I'm sure will relate to this because surely I, I would say that most families have a narrative of some sort or another. Who really knows 
what goes on behind closed doors. It's um, I would just say it's just that the truth about some families is more shocking than others, I guess. Mm. Um, now, the the impetus for her writing this memoir, it seems to have been um, from a health crisis that she had at the same time that she had a marriage crisis. And um, both these things sort of forced her into a great period of introspection. Mm. And um, in it, she goes into therapy and starts re-examining all the, the narratives around her life, you know, what is fact, what's fiction, mm. etc. And that's really something that her family um, is not really on board with, hey, her, her parents right. particularly. Yeah, because they were, seemed as though they were deeply distrustful of any sort of grief counselling or talking therapy. Um, you know, and they'd say things, wouldn't they, like they're all frauds and quacks and, um, and it's that whole thing about don't air your do- dirty laundry in public. Mm. But I, I wonder, when I was reading that, I wondered if some of that might have been a generational thing. I yeah, I thought know. it wasn't necessarily um, tied particularly to that family, although, of course, I guess more risk involved when you do have a well-known family. I mean, obviously therapy is private. Um, yeah. Um, this book is not private. Mm, <laughs> mm. Yes, as you say, there's a, a, is a great risk to the to the veneer or, you know, the family reputation. Mm. Um, And, yes, because also her parents are in their 80s now. And, I mean, most people I know who are in their 80s um, have lived quite stoic lives and you just kind of got on with things, didn't you? And, um, And yet... Charlotte's therapist talks about the importance of telling telling your story. Mm. Um, and for her, it seems that it has been really, um, really therapeutic to tell her story in the public sphere. Um, yes. She didn't appear to have any regrets. No. Um, it's interesting, actually. Yeah, some of the things she said about that, because... Um, the book certainly has caused quite a stir. I don't think anyone would question her right to, to document her, her life story, but there's this huge, or a vocal, I should say, cohort of people that have been saying she shouldn't have published, mm. that it's okay to to um, write write it down, but don't publish it. Or maybe to fictionalise it, because that was often the narrative that her, her dad was saying, that, you know, put it into a story. Yes, put that's Put that right. all into a story. Yes, <laughs> and um, she examines the stories that her father had, had written and she can see her family in, in those stories, mm. can't she? He just changed names and a few details. But um, he was obviously writing, I suppose you write what you know, don't you? Mm. Um, and she, but one thing she did say at the session was funny. She said, "I've got to say, I've never written a book before that started a fight in a bookstore, because <laughs> people have been arguing over her books, and we could, we were standing in the line where you could buy books, and we could hear people talking about it and saying she should never have published this. You know, it was really interesting." Was it mostly um, just out of interest? Was it? Did it appear to be older people or people of, um, you know? Yes, it did appear to be more like that. Yes, um, that's that was my observation. Mm. So people of a certain vintage, um, <laughs> and also I did overhear some people say, "We know them very well." Um, mm. So possibly 
peers friends, or friends, peers, yeah, yeah. colleagues, and that is that is going to be hard for people, isn't it? But you know, this conversation does crop up around memoir writing, doesn't it? Like, absolutely, as you were saying, you know, um, especially if your memoir's got loss, grief, conflict, or you know, any sort of mm, abusive trauma, yeah, dynamics. And um, you know, at what at what point does your loyalty to those you love um, give way to that need to tell the truth? Mm. And your Just side of the home. story. Yeah. Yes, this is right. And yeah, I guess every memoirist has to deal with that. Yes, and because Mary Carr writes about that in her The Art of Memoir, doesn't she? Mm. She gives good advice about that. Like, do you? How long do you wait? before you publish or, you know, what do you change in terms of the details? Um, It was interesting because regarding all this, because there's been a lot of sort of concerned letters to the editor and that that kind of thing. (laughs) Lots of media interest. Yeah. But she, um, another zinger that she had, she said, if they keep going on and on at me, I'll write volume two. (laughs) And so the crowd just erupted into applause when she said Seems only fair. Her dad is on to the second or third volume. Yes. Third, is it? I think it is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> <His> memoirs. <laughs> yes, so um, yeah, but um, the book's got a great deal of detail about growing up in Auckland too. So the landscape, the sort of gritty, grimy, urban streets in the mm. city, and the beautiful Waitakere ranges and the beaches. Um, lots of social history about going along to Auntie Springbok to a protest with her parents. Um, Seeing bands like The Clash play at the town hall, going to Sweetwaters, mm. you know, there's a lot of stuff that people will relate to. So, yeah. highly recommended. Yes. That one. Mm. Absolutely, yes. I mean, even if you don't know all the backstory, and I, I, to be honest, I only knew some of the backstory, I found it absolutely gripping and I read it and, you know, over just a day or two, mm. was, couldn't put it down. Yeah, that's my verdict as well. Mm. And of course, um, if you want to, it probably has got a pretty big um, list uh, and a queue yeah. on it right now. But I would recommend jumping into her um, her fiction. You know, she has a number of novels and and short story collections that are available in, in Auckland libraries. So go and um, go and find those. Get the fiction and then wait for the fact. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, on the same note, the, the Writers Festival, of course, hosted the Ockham New Zealand Book Awards last week um, on Wednesday. Um, we didn't make it along on the night because we were at another literary event. <laughs> um, but I did actually, once I got home, I got to catch the action on the Facebook live stream that Ockham um, provided, which was really, really helpful. Um, it was really good to be able to be there in my jammies on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so in honour of the um, the Ockham New Zealand Book Awards, the next book we're going to talk about is, um, well, The Big Kahuna, the $57,000 wow. winner, um, Bug Week and Other Stories by Irene Beautray. Now, this is a short story collection, and that was a surprise in itself mm. to have been the winner. Um, apparently it's been about 10 years or more since a short story collection won the big one. And um, Irene Betray is um, Auckland-born, and she's um, now based in Whanganui. Um, now, this the 
this book has been steadily rising since it was published in um, September last year, 2020. Um, and of course now it's flying off the shelves or, you know, absent from the shelves mm-hmm. almost yeah. just about mm-hmm. everywhere because it won the top prize for the fiction. Now, I can say it is definitely worth the hype. It is really, really engrossing collection right from the get-go. She's very grabby in her writing. Now, it's engrossing, but um, just as a warning, it is also at times a little bit gross, um, particularly the the final scenes of the very last story in the book, which I think, you know, without any spoilers, um, I think just about any reader would be a little bit squicked out by. Um, so just a brief note on this book that this title does have some scenes that could upset or offend some readers just before you go in, mm. just so you know. It's good, good to know, isn't it? Good to know, good to be aware. Um, but having said that, um, it's really a fantastic example of why reading short stories is just so mm. appealing. Um It's her first collection of short stories written over 10 years, Um, but she's actually published four poetry collections um, and she's won heaps of prizes for her writing, particularly in short format writing essays and and poetry, as I said. Um, You can tell when you're reading these um, stories that you're in really experienced hands, which, you know, I love. I love a confident Mm. writer Mm. like that. Um, Each story will jump you straight in with a real hook and then it packs a real emotional wallop by the end, which is what you want in a short story. You want to kind of like Mm -hmm. a... It's done. <laughs> um, there's a lot of emotion in this book. The emotions are pretty close to the surface. Um, lots of anger and frustration simmering underneath. There's some sexual tension, disappointment, some jealousy, regret, revenge and revenge fantasy, a bit of trauma and grief. It sounds grim, right? Um, I don't know how she's done it, but she's somehow paired it with a lot of sort of bleak humour or gallows humour and actually some real laugh out loud moments too. I mean, that takes real talent with the um, the kind of story Mm. she's got in here. Um, Irene um, Betray has a really sharp eye and ear for human nature and all of those strengths and shortcomings that come with that. And um, she's steered a really, some, you know, narratives that sound quite straight at the beginning into some really strange, unexpected places. And that's that's always wonderful with a short story. You know, it's just a chance to drop into a world and then jump back out. Now, in terms of the subjects of this book, there's, um, there's quite a few um, sort of suburban sexual kind of scenarios um, running through quite a few of the stories, um, which, which swerve quite far, of course, in lots of different ways. There's a, a hot and sort of smelly summer spent in um, German apartments and allotments. There's a, a night out, quite a surreal night out, with some sailors who are home from sea with a stand-up poet who is actually an albatross or toroa. And there's that previously mentioned final story as well, which um, is about a woman who's suffering from terminal cancer, who's reflecting on her own life and death and those of the women that she's known through her times. And um, she's undergoing the final steps of being voluntarily euthanized at the hands of a doctor who's actually mm. not quite what he seems. I'll leave that there. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it sounds full on, doesn't it? It's pretty full on. Mm. Um, there's a long queue for the physical copies, but there are some more arriving soon. But uh, I just wanted to give you a little hot tip for our literary <laughs> lounges. Um, now, Auckland Library's members who are jumping into li- uh, Libby and Overdrive and using our e-collections, they can scurry to the front of the queue right now and get their hooks into the e-book version of Bug Week with no wait at all. Um, all you need to do if you're not already in there is to download the Libby app or get into Overdrive via the Auckland Library's website. Use your library card to sign up or get yourself a free e-membership. 
search for Bug Week and you can borrow it and read it right away. So that's the hottest ticket in town. You heard it here first. It, that is fantastic, yeah. isn't it? And it, that's going to be so well taken up by people. I hope so. Now, because Overdrive for um, slash Libby, it's got a um, New Zealand book club collection, hasn't it? So it's the the material is amazing yeah. when you look at it. It's brand new, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I love what they're doing. So Bug Week, it's just one of the the titles in this new collect the new New Zealand book club collection. Um, but there's um, also there's heaps of other really incredible fiction and non-fiction reads. And they're all guaranteed available um, any time from now until this time next year, roughly, mm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, until April 2022. When they all get refreshed. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there's quite a few of the Occam titles um, in there. Um, there's the Pip Adams, you know, that wonderful Nothing to See, mm. um, which was shortlisted this year. Um, the Catherine Chichi debut novel in a fishbone church which is amazing mm. and also what is very going to be very interesting to read is ck stead's memoir that we mentioned just earlier and um, it's called you have a lot to lose a memoir and this um, um is part of his life between 1956 and 1986 mm, so some of the ground that's covered in charlotte's book yes too. yeah that's right Compare and contrast. Yes, very interesting. So anyway, um, so to our listeners, our librarians or the Library Connect team can give you help, get you started on this this journey with, with Libby or give you a quick refresher if you really want to get in, you know, to some e-reading. Yeah, on the regs. On the regs, just yes. so helpful, isn't it? Yeah. And um, oh, the other thing we were going to say today is that um, podcasts which have you know, they were already pretty popular pre-COVID times, but um, with the extended lockdowns, particularly overseas, they've really exploded um, with mm. a broader reach. And we were saying something this morning, I can't remember who it is, but it's just had their billionth download. <laughs> I can say it wasn't us, was it? Oh, not yet. Not quite. It wasn't, wasn't us, but <laughs> just shows the... Um, the popularity of them. So we thought it was worth um, a little plug that um, e-audiobooks are a great next step if you are a podcast fan. And um, they're a great way of fitting a, a bit more reading into your week. I use this too, actually, to keep up with the latest mm. on, the, on the latest books. Um, so we've got um, lots of great new e-audiobooks coming through Libby. So... And lots mm-hmm. of copies that are available now. Yeah, you know. that's right. I was having a look through to see what what's coming up. You know, what's just come out quite recently. You know, looking for those hot reads that might have a bit of a you know weight on the physical copies. And one I spotted um, just recently was um, Kazuo Ishiguro's latest oh. book, Clara and the Sun. You would think that um, there'd be more people on this. So I'm again, it's a little hot tip for you. Um, when I last looked on Overdrive in the e-audio section, there were about 35 copies available for loan right now. So you can listen to a little five-minute sample first to see if you like the narration and see if that's going to work for you in terms of um, reading that. Um, of course, he beamed into the Writers' Festival last week and discussed um, Clara and the Sun on the big screen for people in-house. Um, now, this one is an audiobook. is about 10 hours 
long. So 10 hours of listening pleasure, thinking about your commute, you know, mm. it might take you a week or 10 days, depending on where you're living. Mm. Or one day. Yeah, mm. well, that's right. Less if you listen, you know, before, a bit before bed and a bit, mm. a bit longer on the weekend while you're doing the vacuuming or something or relaxing in the sun. Um, I um, I personally read the physical book because um, I got my hand on it nice and early. Um, very lucky. Um, I I love this book. Um, he's really returned to that more familiar turf of speculative fiction, mm. which if you read Never Let Me Go, you know, you'll recognise. Um, this time he's looking at the world through the eyes of Clara, who's a robot or an artificial friend. Um, the artificial friends have been designed to observe and understand humans. They're solar-powered. Um, Clara learns through AI, and she is, is, is um, designed to adjust her behaviour subtly and respond to the needs of her owner. And in this case, the owner who buys her from a shop um, downtown is um, a young girl called Josie who's actually terminally ill, and um, her mother is looking for a carer and companion to um, to be with Josie in her, her last part mm. of her life. So a bit quite sad, you know, obviously. Um, there's a bit of shades of remains of the day here too, I noticed, with that sort of servant building a life around uh, a master or a mistress's mm. needs and putting them ahead of their own. Quite interesting, actually, to, to see those recurring themes coming through in his writing. Now, right from the outset when they get home with Clara, um, there's a bit of a feeling of unease in the house. Um, Clara's mother kind of blows hot and cold with everybody in the house, but particularly with Clara and Josie. Um, the shadows that sort of are hanging over this house grow a bit darker as the book progresses, and Clara begins to understand more about the world around her. I mean, she she started life in the store window, just looking out at what she could see on the street. Um, she starts to get this sort of consciousness going where she she starts sort of praying and bargaining with the sun as a, a higher power. Obviously, mm. the sun gives her power, so she kind of sees that as a, a guiding light in her life. And she starts building these and trying to leverage connections with some of the other people in Josie's world to try and save Josie's life. So she wants to intervene, really, and mm. try and try and make a big difference. Now, I'm not going to give you any spoilers with this one, um, but like many of his novels, um, this is a meditation really on what makes us human, essentially. Um, it's a very quiet but deceptively powerful read. The characters are sort of subtly shifting and navigating around each other the whole time. There's these, I mean, you'll recognise from his other works, those slow reveal sort of shocks that just kind of come... You know, there's a mm. slow build and then suddenly you're, you're like, oh my goodness, this is what's going on in this world. What the heck? Um, and there's some really memorable scenes that are sad, but also there's some hope as well. So I don't want you to think that there's not, not hope in this book. But it's from this really interesting perspective because Clara's on the outside looking, mm. looking at our world from the outside with some of the knowledge, but not all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love his writing. He's he's a man. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and it's quite short as well. So you know, you'll you'll have read a little mini masterpiece that you can talk about with your friends in no time at all, really. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, oh, it just sounds amazing and um, real meditation on family life mm. as well. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. Well, speaking of family, um, one that's on my to-be-read list um, is Faking It, My Life in Transition by Kyle Mewburn. Mm. And as I said before, Kyle was on the panel with with Charlotte Grimshaw. So um, this is a 
painful um, yet triumphant coming out story by a very brave woman who um, realised when she was growing up that something was very, very wrong for her. Um, so I can't wait to, to read this. I'm about to start it. So now for those, um, some of you may know, but Kyle Mewburn is a, an acclaimed writer of children's books that fill our library shelves. Mm. Or actually I should say they fly off our library it's shelves, popular. don't they? But mm. they're so popular. Um, and probably a bit unlike Charlotte, Kyle grew up in a, a, she calls it an unsophisticated household with very few books. But like Charlotte, she grew up with this sort of lifelong feeling that something was wrong, something wasn't quite right. Mm -hmm. And um, Kyle describes the feeling, I like the way she put this, as that she felt like she was strawberry jam in a spinach can, which is, (laughs) that's cool. That could almost be a line in a children's book, couldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you can see the the children's writer there, can't mm. you? Um, now, I had a, a bit of a chat with Kyle at, um, after the the event on Sunday, and so we're hoping to get her on this show soon. So watch the space. Oh, that's really, really excited about that. Yeah, that is yeah. exciting. Well, speaking of getting people on the show, um, my TBR also kind of ties in with that. Um, Oh, my, my stack is These Violent Delights by Auckland author Chloe Gong. And now Chloe is um, just 22 years old. Um, she was raised here in the North Shore and she was born in Shanghai. And currently she's, um, she's uh, studying in the States. Um, she released These Violent Delights um, last year when she was just 22 years old. And it's quickly become a New York Times young adult bestseller. Now, Chloe's been writing novels since she was 13, if you can believe it. Mm. This is actually her ninth novel and first published. Incredible. She's already got a sequel in the works coming out in November. And These Violent Delights is a reimagining of Romeo and Juliet. It's set in 1920s Shanghai. And um, from the section I've read already, it's, it's really perfect, deep escapist kind of a dive you know it's like a world builder loads of historical detail intrigue there's a bit of fantasy in there there's a monster part to the story as well and there's a a bit of a romance um, thread running through it too so I had it in February and it's just come back to me I didn't get to finish it so I'm so glad and it's just in the nick of time because um, yeah we've got, got got the chance to have a chat with Chloe coming up soon yes which is really exciting so um, Enika's going to be interviewing Chloe via a, um, a live stream event along with um, the Albany Library's lovely staff member Ai Shimazu and that's going to be part of the Auckland Library's new winter programme We Read Auckland um, which is running from the 31st of May to the 13th of June mm. so this is our our new festival of free events celebrating Auckland's readers and writers and and the stories we tell. Um, lots and lots of events happening across the libraries and community venues right around the region and also online. So it, it includes author talks, read-ins, workshops, expert panels, lots of activities to inspire your family to get stuck into the the whole reading habit too. Mm. So, um, yeah, can't wait for that. So if you want to join in the fun and find out more about We Read Auckland, have a visit to our website, Auckland Libraries, and you can register for free tickets to our featured live and online events. 
and then visit your local library in person or online on their Facebook pages um, because there's some lots of events and, that are popping up right in your neighbourhood. Yeah, absolutely. And not just in libraries too. We've got some events happening in our community centres as well and art centres. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're, we're going to have some fun with it and lots of learning and yeah and hopefully we'll just inspire people to to you know get into the reading habit absolutely um, yeah a great chance to celebrate the readers as well as the writers yeah that's right so it's a, a great time of year to do all of this sort of thing isn't it well look thanks so much today Inika this has been really fun and um really loved the the writers festival um, that's just finished. It's been a huge success, mm. and um, we're hoping that our our We Read Auckland will be um, a fraction of of <laughs> the success. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look out for We Read Auckland activating all your spaces um, close to your to your own home. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, look to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, take care. Um, check out. Those ebooks. That's going to be. There's so many good good reads there. Mm. So take care. Happy reading, and be kind to yourselves. Haerera, kakite ano. brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day.